Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. It's another great episode of the Advisor Arena with Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. Josh, welcome. Thank you. What is this, uh, episode three, episode four? What are we on now? I think we're on three of season two, and you and I just had the opportunity to interview one of our favorite agents, Mr. Tom Lowry. So this is a little intro to what our listeners are going to get with Tom. He's always a character. Oh, I love the more that I've worked with Tom, the more you just can't help but like the guy. You have such a great attitude. I mean, he is definitely one of my favorite agents. There's no doubt about it. It's He's one of those guys that if you're ever having a bad day, you should call and talk to him because his just love of life, his attitude, it is one of those things that just lifts everybody up around him. So we asked him to join us on an episode of the Advisor Arena first because he is just so willing to adapt. And I think right now that resonates with everybody because everyone is struggling to adapt their practice and kind of integrate new things. So believe me when I say you will not be disappointed when you hear some of the things that Tom has has done the last few months. So excited for you guys to hear that. Totally. I mean, he was one of those guys when the whole COVID started and everybody went to the online webinars and seminars. He jumped head head force into those, really embraced it. He's closed several sales this year and did the, did the whole process completely digital. So he, he definitely is one that he looks at a challenge and tries to turn it into an opportunity. I think the key to his success, too, is he does everything with so much humor. He had some crazy backgrounds and just some really funny things with his webinars that he did that were not mainstream at all. In fact, they were borderline, you know, not what you would think of as a, you know, professional financial advisor, but he connects with people. He really wanted to do something fun that was also educational, but realize people are stuck in their homes. Everybody is feeling a little doom and gloom. And so he made it fun. And that's just kind of the way he approaches life. So you'll get to hear more from Tom, but he isn't the only one that we have that has implemented some really unique marketing. So Josh, we we had talked about sharing some of these ideas because what still, what is the number one thing that we hear is the biggest obstacle right now from our advisors that uh that nothing works they're always looking for new things as i would say the number one thing we hear and the it's always i need new people if you can get me in front of new people and what am i going to do if i can't get face to face and if i can't do seminars what am i going to do well we have plenty of agents that have figured that out it's a matter of figuring out what fits with your personality and being willing to try new things so we wanted to share a couple of those things that they have done and they have tried because we can assure you there are things that work you just have to be willing to go out there and get them so we're going to share a few of our favorites. You want to start with one of your favorite things that is new that agents are doing that they're having success with? 
So one that I think uh, has been really, really beneficial and that I've heard is doing an online, so more like a wine and cheese event. I'm sure you've heard of that, women, wine, and wealth, those types of uh, programs. This one, doing it on, doing it through a webinar, uh, having a bottle of wine there with you, having a glass of wine with everybody and doing a webinar. I think that's a fun way to get a group together, makes it nice and lighthearted. And so I thought that was a great idea and creative and something uh, that was out of the box. So something similar, I just heard that you and I have not talked about this, but something along those same lines, I have women that do women specific marketing. And typically before COVID, they would get together, they would do luncheons, they would go meet at coffee houses, you know, they just had this standing group. It reminded me of like a book club, except it's their, you know, women and in quote unquote financial advising, they get women together and they talk about some of their questions and struggles and things that they want to discuss and regard to financial planning and retirement planning. And typically the event or or, excuse me, the group grows each month because, you know, I want you to meet my cousin, my sister. I have a best friend that I think could benefit from this. So it's a great kind of grassroots effort. So it's been frustrating for some that they can't get out and do that. Or maybe now they can, except they have people that are uncomfortable doing that that would be a really good opportunity to say, hey, we miss you, we still wanna get together, there's still things we wanna talk about, we still want you to invite people that need this info, but we're gonna do our, um, you know, we're gonna do our event online through Zoom or what have you. So don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. there's still ways to do what you would normally do. Exactly, you've definitely gotta adapt right now. Anything like that's a really great idea. And it's working. We're starting to see it work. Guys that started doing this back in March, April have started to figure it out and are starting to write deals and close business from it. So I would encourage if you're not doing anything like that, give it a try and it'll work for you. I promise. So one other thing that I thought was really cool, we talk about radio and TV and getting more into doing some of that marketing um, to replace some of the face-to-face events that we're all so used to. We have an advisor who is on the radio. He's had a radio show for years, so that's not something new to him, Um, but he also does a ton of seminars. And although he's still getting face-to-face, he was one of the first to jump back on board as soon as his area opened up. He is expanding some of what he does on the radio and one of his recent marketing campaigns has been to send an actual mail piece to local business owners and he's invited those business owners to come on and be a guest on his radio show and i thought that's that's brilliant that's such an easy thing so when he does that of course he's not only supporting his local community and his local business owners to give them a chance to get some exposure but whoever he brings on, they're obviously going to promote that show and the fact that they were a guest on that show to all of their prospects and all of their clients. So it just compounds the amount of people that you're getting in front of um, and certainly a, a unique and innovative way to get some more traction in the community, get some more exposure that is really simple. Kind of you have that moment of like, why didn't everybody think of that? Great idea. Love that idea as well. And like you said, you want to get a different type of audience. You want to get a bigger audience. 
hey, team up with a local business, let them help you do that. I mean, if it was my business and I was going to be on a financial advisor show, I would be so excited about that because a lot of times uh, if you're not in our industry or in a specific industry, you probably don't have a radio show. So it's pretty cool. It's a great way to promote yourself and and also uh, the financial advisor can promote themselves as well. And nobody's going to say no to that. It doesn't cost them anything to do it. So I I mean, nobody said no. He is still getting people coming and saying, yes, that's awesome. We can do it. When can we schedule it? So that was a really successful campaign for him um, along those same lines of like tapping into your community. So in a total different area of the U.S., they are doing community bingo. Do you remember us talking about this community bingo and what this looks like? Say that again. I'm sorry. I couldn't quite hear you. Do you remember us talking about the community bingo and what this looks like for this advisor? Such a unique thing that they got involved in their community. Yes. Yes. That is a fantastic idea. And basically going out, sponsoring a bingo, being there, helping with the bingo. I think that's a great idea. So this one was so... It was so unique, but if your community doesn't have something like this, you could easily get other business owners together and do this. In her community, she has this bingo card that local businesses all put together and you can buy a box basically on the card and then participants, which are your local community members, they are going around to each business and they have to do something that each business dictates in order to get a mark on that square. So she was having a ton of fun thinking about what do I want them to do? Do I want them to take my color money risk analysis? Should I have them come in and give me feedback on my brochure? Should I have them come in and watch a two minute video, you know, come in and pick up material? So it was it was kind of revitalizing, I think, for her to think about, you know, we got some really cool content, things I would love to share with the community. And if they're going to be making the rounds and dropping into different businesses um, to get this mark on their bingo card. And keep in mind, this is right in the middle of COVID. So this isn't like, oh, yeah, well, that sounds good, but nobody's out and about. No, they're out. So obviously think about your community and whether or not this makes sense if your businesses are open. But obviously, there are local businesses that are struggling to stay open and any help that we can provide to keep those people going, we want to help them. And those of you that have a financial advisory practice, you can definitely get in on that. If you have any kind of office space or virtual office or any kind of exposure like that where you can get people in and supporting the community, I think it's awesome. So really good idea on that one. Great idea. Again, help your community, maybe write some business from it. So I have two more things I want to talk about. One is a super easy thing. And then the last thing I know, Josh, is near and dear to your heart. So I don't want to steal your thunder. But this is something that initially when the advisor shared it, I thought, oh, I don't. I don't I don't know about that, but the more I've gotten into it and have seen what they've put together and how it can help people, uh, I think this is something that would be easily duplicatable in other areas. She has a funeral home that approached her to say, you know, when a grieving spouse comes in, we 
we know we handle everything we provide here's where to go for this and this and this and she's they showed a book that they're putting together that is more like a what you'd think of like a, a hardbound coffee table book than a packet um, but it's a very nice spread for this advisor highlighting you know what what should be top of mind when it comes to your finances and getting things in order right in the midst of grief and trying to deal with the loss of a loved one or often the loss of a spouse. And because women often outlive men, obviously we have more, just statistically speaking, more women than men that are dealing with that, which naturally means you have people that may not have been as involved in the financial um, planning aspect of their lives. So having some direction, having somebody to say, we can hold your hand through this. Here are some things that you should get in order. Here's what we can help with. Um, It's caring and it's something that brings people into you without you having to do really any kind of marketing or you know, take any time or effort when when they need help, they'll come to you and you have um, obviously then that nice spread that promotes that. So I thought that's easily duplicatable. And for the right type of agent, that could be a great fit. Yes. Love that idea. So the last one, current event. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid to even broach the subject, but What's the hottest topic in your social media feed right now? It's got to be the election. Got to be the election. Every day. <laughs> That's right. So you hate to feed the monster a little bit. However, you I don't think we've ever had a time in history when we have had the majority of the population focused on one thing. So in any industry, but especially ours, we can't ignore that. So we've put together a whole campaign that advisors have started using. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So Gradient just put out a uh, brand new presentation that is designed for somebody that's concerned about, hey, there's an election coming up. What do I do? And this presentation is going to be designed. You can use it either before the election or you can use it after the, the election. So it's timely marketing. It's at the top of everybody's minds. Like you just said, it's a current event. And so anything like that, in my opinion, is what you want to talk about because people want the info. They're looking for the info. And so it will differentiate you from everybody else out there. Well, and, and people can't help but think, well, what is the impact going to be to me? How is this specifically going to impact me and my family and my business? So without getting political, you have a real opportunity to highlight what can you expect? What should you expect based on what has happened in other election years? But then what can you do about it? If these are the things that you expect to happen in an election year, and if we can point to you know, specific things in history that we can expect, then what should people be proactive with? That is a huge opportunity to set yourself apart as providing really valuable insight and being the go-to person in your local community that is providing that kind of educational content. So I expect this one to be, like I said, you don't wanna wanna feed the social media monster 
any more than what's already out there, but you can't ignore it either. I mean, it, it would just be foolish to stick our head in the sand and say, well, this isn't something that people care about right now. It obviously is. Completely agree. It's kind of funny that you uh, you bring this up. Last week, um, I actually sat on a call, and I think you were probably on the same call, and one of our CFAs, one of our portfolio manager, managers, the Gradient, talked about how really when it comes to to elections, the market usually goes up. Regardless of who wins, the market continues to go up. And I was sitting there listening to this, and I'm like, you know, as somebody that manages assets and that believes in the stock market, I could probably, you know, you could throw up a graph to probably illustrate that. For me and for our advisors that are more focused on safety, I kind of think the opposite's true right now. And I could be wrong, but I just think this election is a lot different than any of our past elections. I think if one party wins, let's say Biden wins, you could see the markets go down. He could raise taxes. Markets aren't going to like that. Could go down. On the opposite side, you've got Trump. Let's say Trump wins. Well, you know, the last time Trump won, we had millions of people marching in the streets. I could see that same thing playing out if he wins again. Okay. In fact, I'm about 90% positive that would happen. So markets probably aren't going to like that either. So I think it just goes back to, for me, you definitely got to have a portion of your portfolio in safety, especially this year, because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. And I I think the key takeaway for me on that call was over time, the markets go up. You know, it's an election is going to put somebody in office for four years and you're probably building a plan for 20 to 30. So nobody panic. It's over time. Yes, the markets go up. They recover from whatever kind of uh, volatility the election creates. But we do expect increased volatility in an election year. And depending on what happens over the next few years and what kind of policies are put in place, if you've got, you know, a couple years before you need to retire, of course, then that means you should be more aware and more proactive with protecting those assets. So, you know, financial advisors that are doing both things, you need to really be educating people on it's not not a one size fits all it's not don't worry the markets always go up over time or you know the sky is falling and markets are going to crash it is be aware of the timing in which you're going to retire because we could see short-term increased volatility it doesn't mean historically this is going to change the fact that over decades the market trends upward so key there for financial advisors is to zero in and show specifically what each individual plan is right for each client, depending on what they're most concerned with right now and what their plans are. So this campaign really lets you dive into that and get specific on that, which I love. Couldn't agree more with that. It is uh, it just, yeah, you're exactly right. You want to be balanced. You want to take a balanced approach to it. You don't want to have all your money in green. You don't want to have all your money in red, but you want to be balanced. And this year, I think, the perfect uh, scenario that you would you would want to make sure that you're not over allocated to one side or the other. 
So with that, I hope everybody has been able to take something from what we shared. We're excited to bring Tom on here for the the second portion of this episode to let you hear a little bit specifically about his story, what 2020 has looked like for him, what he has changed and adapted to. Um, There's always, I think, valuable info that we can take from our peers. So like always, that is our goal. If there is anything that we've talked about that you want some additional info on, you can always email us. You can t- contact us through the website, which is theadvisorarena.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I would ask you to please leave us an honest review, rate, subscribe. That helps us continue to bring you great content, insights, and share best ideas. So enjoy our conversation with Tom Lowry. Welcome, everybody. This is Jamie Malm, and I have my business partner with me, Josh Watson. And we have a guest on with us today that you are going to love. Mr. Tom Lowry, owner of Georgia Wealth Management and Georgia Wealth Advisors. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Josh. What a beautiful day just to get out and go get them, isn't it? It is. So you've already given us a hard time. It's early when we're recording and you've already given us a hard time that you've eaten lunch already and are halfway through your day as we're just getting started. So (laughs) the jokes are already rolling in, which is one thing I love about you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Josh, you and I talked about doing an episode where we could share some of the unique ways people have overcome the challenges of 2020, which is what we're talking about today. We found some very resilient and creative people out there. Totally agree. And that's uh, exactly why we have Tom on. He is not afraid to try anything. Um, I think he is not only an incredible advisor, but we would be remiss not to mention there's a reason we call him Ranger Tom. And that's because, in my opinion, And I don't know if you can say this on a podcast, but I guess it is our podcast. So I'm just going to say it. He is the definition of an American bass. That's true. You should put that in your bio, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if that's what they're looking for when they are looking for a financial (laughs) advisor. (laughs) But, you know, you go from protecting uh, assets to assets, right? It's not that different. (laughs) That's a great tagline. you. Back to you, JB. So tell us a little bit about your background. Obviously, we'll get into some of your love of nicknames and where Ranger Tom came from, but tell us a little bit about your background. Well, so I never went to college. I I left uh, high school, second oldest of eight kids. <laughs> so there were eight, uh, eight kids in our litter. And my as- assistant, Rosemary, as you guys know, is she was number eight. Uh, six out of that litter. I was number two. She was number six. And uh, uh, I, I, so with, with all the kids that my father, my father was an emergency room doctor, but of all the kids he was uh, going to send through college, I said, he won't do that with me. And I had a recruiter and he says, well, Tom, we can, I wanted to be an emergency room doctor. He said, we'll take you through, uh, you go to military and, and you'll have the GI bill. Well, 1976, when I signed up, they had just did away with the GI bill for three years. So I actually didn't have a GI bill when I 
got into and I just said, well, just sign me up for the toughest thing you had. He goes, well, you like to jump out of airplanes? I said, that sounds fun. <laughs> so, so I did that. And then once I got out of, uh, I spent six years of four years active, uh, to reserve. And, uh, you know, I did not have a GI bill. You had an educational savings account. I remember, I think it was like 7,500 if you lump sum it or, you, you can spread it out. You'd have 7,500 a year for four years of a college. So that, so it never got to medical school or any kind of education. Uh, but I found out, uh, I was reading a magazine. It said the most, uh, dangerous job at the time was commercial deep sea diver. So I, I found out I could take the 7,500 bucks, go to uh, learn how to be a deep sea diver. So I lived out in Aberdeen, Scotland and dove in the North Sea and uh, dove in the uh, on the oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. And and uh, uh, what happened was as the oil industry, we were so get shit, you know, now it should be doing well because we're we're doing our own oil. But back then they were cat, what they call capping all the wells. They were, um, taking the jack up rigs and sending them in and we'd go in and actually put a big old trash can on a, a, a hole in the bottom of the ocean where they, where they drill the oil and, and they were, cause it was cheaper to get it from overseas. So then I, uh, looked around and I said, well, what am I going to be able to supplement a nice, you know, we, when we, we got paid pretty well as when we were diving and I found out I could be a stockbroker. So I started in the stockbroker business, went to school out in Texas, uh, became a stockbroker. Then, you know, if, if back in the day we, it, there was a, uh, a thing, one of the rules you couldn't do was called crossing the stock. And so for any of the old stockbrokers out there, they're going to know what I'm talking about. And that's when you sell us a stock at a low price and the stock starts to rise and then the client can make a profit. Well, then uh, it's still a good stock. They should really hang on to it. But for you to make another commission, you call them and say, Hey, you've already made 10%. The sky, you know, uh, hogs get fat pigs or pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered why don't you go ahead and sell that stock and let's put you in wxyz company because it's a startup and it'll go well then you get off the phone with them and you call the next guy and then you sell him that abc stock that you hey it's already gone up 10 percent the sky's the limit so you you would make two different stories about the same stock to two different people to make this because you got uh, every time you bought or sold, that's where, where you made your money. And so we learned that was a wrong thing to do. But as I became, uh, I was one of the hardest working guys. They, they would always say every morning who made the most phone calls out that day on coal. It was a cold call kind of stuff. It was always me. I started getting a book of business. Then I had the guys that were making all the money come in and said, well, Tom, now that you're doing real well, let's show you how to really make the money. And then when they showed me what they were doing that day, I said, guys, you're crossing this stock. You're breaking the law. Um, I can't do this. I quit. And this was a, it was a tough time for me. I had a little baby. Uh, I had just spent six months of training. I had built a little bit of a business. I didn't have anything to fall back, but you know, there was no way I was going to be involved in that. And it turned out that company, it was, it, it was a company called 
Blinder and Robinson. And it wasn't a month after that that there was a big article, Blind them and Rob them, in the magazine. So that's kind of so. So uh, then I. So what happened is really after that, uh, I would I lived up in LJ up in the mountains. I went to have breakfast. It was a guy in a suit sitting there, a average salesman. I just started talking to him. Uh, he worked for a company called Combined Insurance Company. Worked for a guy named W. Clement Stone. For the folks that know Combined Insurance Company, we were door to door, store to store accident policy salesman. I mean, you had to come up, I would go up through farms in North Georgia and you'd walk up, you'd have a big old kit. Everybody knew the combined insurance guy because we had carried a stack of insurance contracts with us. And we would list the people we sold that day. We said, hey, I'd like to write you one too. And it was a, it was a quick sell and you had to sell a whole bunch. So you had to sell a bunch by lunch and be a winner by dinner. Um, but you learned a lot about people and sales and, you know, I mean, it, I, I, I would walk up to farms. This was, and you'd see the farmer in his overalls with no shirt on in the summer. And, and I've got a tie on loosened up because it's hot. And I got this big stack uh, of, you know, insurance contracts. And boy, he looks at me and says, boy, what are you selling? I said, I'm selling aquariums. I said, it sounds fishy, doesn't it? And, and then he started cracking up. And I learned a key thing is that humor, it can be a key opener that if, you know, I would, I would I say, but boy, what are you selling? I said, not a thing. And boy, is my boss mad at me. <laughs> that sounds like you. That doesn't surprise me at all, though. I've never heard but, but it, but, the background but when you there. Look at this, and when you look at the psychology of sales, that's that's kind of like a key thing. That's one thing I've kind of learned. And I and I love life. So I. I kid around all the time, so. <laughs> well, you're always willing to change things up and adapt, but I've got to I've got to go back here because you said something early in your military career where you said, or at least thought to yourself, well, what's the most dangerous job I can get? I think most of us hearing that probably are thinking, I don't know that that's what would have crossed my mind. What's the most dangerous thing I could do? What kind of mindset? I mean, surely that speaks to your desire to go out and just overcome and adapt and face challenges head on. But what kind of mindset were you in where you thought, well, I'm just going to go do the most dangerous thing out there? You know, that's a because I don't know. It's it's the thrill. It's the thrill. Exciting. uh, It it really gets your heartbeat going. I, you know, I was young you know, and just crazy. You wanted to take on the world. Uh, you know, I was, like I said, the second oldest of eight kids. I needed to go uh, be the big brother at six, six girls and two boys. So I had a younger brother. So I was a big brother to, to most of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you're certainly no stranger to challenges and overcoming obstacles in your personal life and your professional life. In fact, the nickname, which you are a, a big lover of nicknames, but you had to make a pretty major change to a brand that you spent years building a business around. Talk a little bit about what happened there, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, that was a so I, I, I had been the retirement doctor and, uh, you know, with Gradient's help, we put together a book. It was prescription for a happy retirement. I, I had conducted at that time over 300 shows. And, um, there, there is an organization called a regist- uh, RFC registered financial consultants. 
And there's a test that they, I don't know if you guys know, but they, they want to get credentialized, I guess is how you would say it. And so they had this test and they were calling RFC members like myself and they asked us to volunteer for a test. It was a two hour test. You had to go to one of those test centers. Um, you know, they're just going to ask all about retirement stuff. And then, uh, if they, you know, they were going to see how, what percentage of people would pass and to get this as a credentialed ID, which it would be an MRFC, which is a master registered financial consultant. So I said, yeah, I t- I'll take it. I said, send me what books do I need? They go, well, we don't really have any books. We don't know what the test is going to be. You can't know in advance. You got to take your calculator and three uh, scratch paper. And that was all you could take. So I took the test. I was one of the guys that passed. Um, and so they put me on the magazine and at the time when I was a retirement doctor, I had a doctor's jacket, uh, that said that was embroidered the retirement doctor. I had a smiley face stethoscope, you know, for a happy retirement. And I was on the cover of the magazine and it turned out a guy in another state, uh, back in like 86 had patented the retirement doctor comma LLC. Um, and he, called the radio station that I was on, uh, called the, uh, RFC folks said I was an imposter that he was a retirement doctor. I, I actually had a client of mine who was a doctor and knew I wanted to be a doctor that I helped him out of a deal, uh, situation. Their finances were horrible and we got him working and he, it was, uh, very sick. He was dying of cancer, wrote me a note, says, Tom, I know you wanted to be a doctor. Well, to me, you are, you're my retirement doctor. That's where I got the name idea from. I didn't come up with it, but I did like my line. Don't let your account balances go to zero before your blood pressure does. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I like that better than protecting asses to assets. I think you you made a good trade. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, that was a big change. I mean, you did a huge brand all around that. So yeah, we, yeah. So it, it, we just and Ranger Tom just became the reason that came up was I had uh, the actually the radio guy, kind of marketing guy in my office, and I was I got a plaque. I was by the way, uh, toot my own horn. I was the distinguished honor graduate of the primary non commissioned officers. Academy. That's the NCO Academy of the 18th Airborne Corps. So when I went to be a you know, sergeant learning non NCO as a non commissioned officer, I was the number one guy. I was a top guy. I got uh, got the awards and I got a nice big plaque. So guy saw that and he saw my Ranger class picture on there. He goes, "Why don't we do something? You know, military the." Uh, AM station. They liked that. So then it became Ranger Tom and the operation bunker and operation retirement. I think it's an awesome pivot and very creative. So I would, I, I can't let you continue without talking about your love of nicknames. Do you have a nickname <laughs> for everybody in your life? <laughs> just, just about everybody. A lot of them I can't say on the radio, even on a podcast. Sorry, Jason. Well, you can share at least a couple. Um, well, I, we we like to call Josh Elementary Dear Watson. 
That's uh, I like that one. That one's at least appropriate. Yeah. Uh, he sells seashells by the seashore would be Tody Shore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm... Um... What is it? Mom the bomb. Your mom the bomb is what you are. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, you overcame the challenge of the branding, rebranded yourself as Ranger Tom. And then was it the next year that you had a personal health crisis? Am I remembering the timeline right? Well, it was. Yeah. So I had to go through neck cancer. You know, me and Eddie Van Halen, you know, I I, I only wish I had his talent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, it, and, it, and I'm doing a lot better than he is with it, you know. <laughs> well, you've done great. Certainly the last yeah, few so years it, for you, you have not been through, without challenges. Yeah. yeah, and it's it makes it a little more difficult, really. The, you know, the radiation neck treatment um, I have, my, my voice will uh, ease up. So what I've had to do, like for this podcast, I'm using my radio speakers. And I do that when I do... Uh, webinars. So on Zoom meetings, obviously, folks, I'm on the 15th story of a high rise building in Atlanta. You know, during this pandemic, people don't like to come in there. And the it's really sad. Our office, when you come in, usually the parking lot, we got a five story parking lot or six story. It's usually full of cars. You can't find a parking place. It's busy. You got a nice a restaurant right outside the building. Now you go in, um, you hardly see anybody. The parking lot's almost empty. You know, you walk in, you got the four little circles in the elevator you can stand in. Um, and it's really, you know, not a happy place. And so what we've done, um, seeing, you know, even if this pandemic were to go away and people were feeling better, you know, we looked at, you know, now that I'm 62, you know, I can see myself doing this as long as I'm able. Um, so we're putting that retirement bunker right here on my property by the house. We're just getting our permit. So we're going to have a 500 foot uh, or so with a little break area um, office where it is, I've got private property. I feed the deer everywhere. I got about eight buck. I'll have to, I'll just start sending you guys video cause they follow me now. I got a little trash can of corn and uh, you know, if I don't get out early enough, they're in our front yard. And uh, so they follow me down and, and, and where the glass is going to be looking a lot of times they're laying out there waiting on their food. So I can, have clients talk about retirement and relaxing and, and looking at a calming, really nice view. And I came up with that idea because since we've had the lockdown, you know, my, my office, we've got the green screen, I've got, you know, the professional lighting so I can, uh, you know, be seen on zoom. We've been able to, I mean, I've closed some really nice cases without ever seeing the person. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen them on Zoom and waved at them when they can look at the screen. And I said, we're going to send you the application digitally. Okay. Um, we just did a $320,000 case uh, Thursday. Uh, in fact, we got to get a hard signature. Rosemary's driving to the house to get the hard signature. I've been to your old office and it's hard to imagine it being so 
abandoned. I mean, it, it was I, bustling I, I in all, all the what, areas yeah. around it. It just really, it, it's hard to imagine. But I know it's like that in a lot of places. People just kind of abandoning the commercial real estate and realizing they don't necessarily need that space and people aren't right. are, are adapting. So I would love to see the retirement bunker. That sounds way more yeah. my speed. Oh yeah. Oh, you guys are going to have to come when we, when we get it built, you got, we got to do a video or something on it. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that falls into the category of something that you would not have considered doing if you weren't forced into the change. But now that you're there, I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta alleviate cost with renting the office building for years and years to come and opens oh. up opportunity for remote appointments and all kinds of things you wouldn't have done otherwise. And I think it's a sales feature where you tell folks you're coming in, you don't, you don't have to go into a parking lot. You're going to come right into a, a small little office. It's nice and clean. We'll, we'll have HEPA filters and all of that, you know, so people can feel comfortable. I think, and, and of course I'm not getting any, um, Younger, you know, thanks to military, I've had uh, three back surgeries and two neck surgeries. I have two ruptured discs in my neck. So I've got, you know, I said, you know, gee, if I, if all I have to do is I, I would just walk out of my door and walk down the hill and go into this beautiful little office, um, I could do that forever. Yeah, you, I, I never speak to you without hearing that big smile on your face. You love what you do. You love helping others. And it's just, it's an infectious attitude. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever you think about, you bring about. You, you've got to be an optimist. You know, an optimist is a guy that once he uh, wears out his shoes, he just figures he's back on his feet again. <laughs> Tom, that's great. You know, one of the things that... Uh, uh, that's cool about you, <clears throat> no matter the marketing program, the idea, whatever it is, you're always open to try something new or look into new marketing. I think that's what separates you from a lot of advisors all out there. And then one of the big things that you do or that you're a believer in is gradient gives back. Talk a little bit about that and how oh, uh, yeah, you that, use that in the past. Yeah. Oh, that, that's been great. It, uh, I love it. We, so we used it, um, to, uh, give back to, uh, veterans here in Atlanta. We did, uh, two different veterans and, uh, it was really neat. We paid a year's worth of mortgage for each of them. And, uh, so we would, um, have folks, you know, so on my radio show, in fact, um, I'm on a different station now here in Atlanta. Uh, when we moved over, I wanted, I was talking about doing it now, maybe, uh, now that you mention it, maybe doing something by December might be possible, but we just advertised to go to the website, uh, register any veteran that you know, and one of them, an optometrist referred this, uh, a Mexican family who was a, a veteran, um, but he was, um, they, if they had spent 10 years in a helping a homeless shelter. So the family lived above the homeless shelter. They took care of the homeless folks in there, but it was really not a safe place for the kids. So this optometrist was helping him to get a house and helped him get the house and helped him build it. But now the guy needed uh, to be able to pay the mortgage. So we, we stepped right in. That was really, and, and then we had the news stations 
come when we announced it. We had the local news put it on there. So it was good for marketing. They could see we're, and it's always good to give back to the community, you know? So, um, I may look, look at doing that again. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm part of what's the U S army Rangers association where we help uh, other Rangers. Uh, now that you mentioned, I may contact them and see if we can't do something jointly for a, a, an actual Ranger here in Atlanta. I think one thing that you do really well, Tom, is figuring out what you believe in, what you're passionate about, what you're already involved in, and then tying that to things that you would want to do personally, but it also benefits your business. Obviously, you feel strongly about helping veterans and and giving back to organizations that you already participate in. So if you're aware of opportunities to say, well, How can I use that in my business as well? You're getting the PR from something that you'd want to do anyway. You're probably getting a tax write-off from the donation. And a a lot of people, I think, miss opportunities like that to say, how can I really be fulfilled with this role that I'm playing as a financial advisor? You came from this mindset of, I want to go do the most dangerous job out there. I want to go protect people. I want to go do all these things that give me excitement. You haven't lost that. You're still wanting to give back to protect people, to help them be fulfilled. And you're finding ways to do that that are are absolutely amazing. I, I always enjoy speaking to you. Whenever you call in, it puts a big smile on my face. I love the nicknames and I appreciate you hopping on with us today. Well, you guys are just awesome. I love working with all of you guys. Well, thank you so much, Tom. We appreciate you joining. Thank you, Josh. And we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.